Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and how to get involved, or simply want to give a gift, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net today. Today I want to talk to you about leadership starts with surrender. In the first sermon a couple weeks ago, I told you that Christian leaders are called to be change agents. How many hear the word agent already today? Uh, if you didn't hear it, I believe it was Damaris that talked about us being agents uh, for Christ. We're, we're to be change agents for Christ, bringing healing and restoration into the brokenness of their communities and workplaces. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to do. We get that from 2 Corinthians 5.20. We've been called to be ambassadors for Christ. You've heard that this morning too. Somebody talked about us being the messengers, the ambassadors for Christ. What, what is an ambassador? You know, an ambassador is an authorized representative or messenger. A synonym for an ambassador is an agent. Ambassadors are leaders. We're called to be ambassadors. We're called to be leaders for Christ. So, so what is a leader? Some of you still don't believe me when I tell you you've been called to be a leader. But you've been called to be a leader. So what is a leader? A leader is someone who guides. And one of the synonyms, wait for it, is conduit. Conduit. Did y'all hear that word this morning? Yeah. When Damaris said conduit, I almost fell out of my chair. I was like, man, Lord, you really are preaching the whole sermon this morning. A conduit is a means of transmitting or distributing. So really what we're saying is, as an ambassador, we're saying ambassadors are leaders who guide others to truth by distributing the message of our Savior, King Jesus. That's what we're doing. That's how we're leading. Then last week I talked to you and I said, God has been present in your life since before you drew your first breath. He wants to use all your talents. Somebody said talents earlier this morning too. He wants to use all your talents, abilities, and life experiences to shape you and prepare you to serve his purposes. See, Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us that God knows the plans he has for us. God knows it. He wants to use those talents. It may seem weird to us what David was talking about, where this young man said that he found his talent in fighting. But for him, that's a job. It's not like he's just picking fights randomly. And guess what? God can use you in any career that he puts you in. And so for this young man to recognize that it's something from the Lord may seem weird to you and me, but praise God that he's recognizing where his talents, skills, and abilities come from. You and I are in the same boat. We need to recognize where our talents, skills, and abilities come from. We need to recognize what those are and then allow God to use them. So the question then becomes, why does that matter to me? Why does it matter to me that God wants to use me? Well, I like what Richard Cern says here. He says, your career is just the setting in which you live out your calling to serve as Christ's ambassador. You may be Christ's ambassador in a school, in a corporation, in a hospital, in government, or in your neighborhood, or now we learned in UFC fighting, right? <laughs> but the critical thing is to keep straight is that your Christian calling to serve God in this life sits above your career or occupation. I believe God's got each one of us where he wants us in the careers and jobs we're in. What we're supposed to do is not get lost in the job itself, but our purpose in that job. And that purpose is to serve the Lord and to minister to our community, minister to the people we work with. 
If that's Jesus calling, put him on speaker. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so where do I begin? Where do you begin? You begin with surrender. You begin with surrender. I know that we've read scriptures talking about submit, so I want to just kind of deal with that right out the bat. But Christian leaders should be totally surrendered to God. I like what Oswald Chambers said. He said, the greatest crisis we ever face is the surrender of our will. So let's go through this real quick. Surrender means the action of yielding one's person or giving up the possession of something, especially into the power of another. The synonym of surrender is submit. And if you look up the definition of submit, it says to yield oneself to the authority or will of another. And a synonym of submit is surrender. So when you read in the Bible to submit yourselves one to another, okay, when we're talking about submitting to God, in James 4, 7, it says, therefore, submit to God. I want to give you this idea that I understand submission. But when you think of surrender, a lot of times we think of surrender in terms of war or fighting, and you're just absolutely saying, I can't conquer this, I can't win, so I'm giving in. I surrender. And when it comes to God, that is the thought that ministers to me so powerfully. I can't just give God some of me. I need to give him all of me. I can't just give him some control in my life. I need to give him total control of my life. So I can't just surrender a part of my life. I need to surrender everything. If I'm going to be an effective leader for Christ, I have to be totally surrendered to him. I asked you to look up Matthew chapter 16 while you were in prayer this morning or or just a little while ago, specifically verses 24 and 25. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You say, Pastor Herman, what does that have to do with surrender? I'm glad you asked that question. The word lose is from the Greek word apolemy, and it's a verb. My mama's going to be so proud of me today. I'm giving definitions, you know, uh, subjects, verbs. It's a verb. You know what a verb is? It's an action, something you do. We're talking about losing your life. It's not just saying I lose my life. It's actually doing it. So what does that mean to lose your life? It means to destroy, to put out of the way entirely, to abolish, to put an end to, to ruin. A.W. Tozer said it this way, God takes that which is nothing and makes something out of it. When you become a Christian, you cannot... Patch your Christianity onto your old life. You are, you are to start over. Accept God's call as a promotion. Burn the old bridges and fix it so you cannot go back. Then serve God with all your heart. I used to operate under the guide of don't burn any bridges. You never know when you might have to go back. And I think that's probably good business sense when you're dealing with individuals. When you're talking about your old life, You know, I thought that really made sense. You do want to burn that bridge. You don't want to go back to that old life. When we sing about, you know, uh, um, coming out of the grave, um, putting, you know, taking off the grave clothes, what we're saying is, look, don't go back to that old life that was dead. Don't, Don't go back to that dead life. Burn that bridge so you can never, ever interact with that old self ever again. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, 
He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you have given your life to Christ, it should be that you're quoting the same thing. It's no longer you that lives. So we should not be living for ourselves. We should not be living for Herman, for Tammy, for Eddie. We should be living for Christ. Luke 9.23 is Luke's description of the same events in Matthew, the 16th chapter. But it says in the 23rd verse, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What was that word? Daily. Daily. Verse 24, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man, will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Man, I tell you what, I do not want Jesus to be ashamed of me. I cannot be ashamed of him. Luke tells us it's a daily walk. As leaders, we have to think in terms of daily, daily, daily surrender. You know, have you been involved with something, whether it was at a church service, out in the public, whatever? Last week we had a couple salvations. i got to be honest with you, all I rode a pretty good high the rest of that day. I was pretty, pretty happy with life. Wake up the next morning, and i got to start again. i got to get focused on the Lord again. I can't just ride the, the actions of the day before. They can become part of the testimony that I give, but it's a new day. And if I'm not careful, I'll allow the thoughts of the enemy to come in and think that I really did have something to do with that. I got to be a part of it, but it was God. It was the Holy Spirit moving on those people's hearts. It has to be a daily walk with the Lord, a daily surrender as ambassadors to him. One more quote from Oswald Chambers. If you have only come as far as asking God for things, you have never come to the point of understanding the least bit of what surrender really means. You have become a Christian based on your own terms. Surrendered to God means exchanging your terms for his. I used to play basketball in the, in the driveway, and uh, every once in a while I'd want something. I was praying about it, asking the Lord. I don't know if you ever did this. I say, you know what, if I make this next shot, that's what God wants me to do. Y'all ever do something like that? Inevitably, if I missed the shot, there was always a foul, even though I wasn't playing with anybody at the time. There was something that messed it up. It's best two out of three then. It, you know, you, you, you just keep shooting until you make it so that you can get the answer you're looking for. That, that's my terms. Robert Morris talks about when he finally fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. That's when the Holy Spirit came upon him. But before, he kept trying to go under his own terms. God, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Lord, give me everything except that speaking in tongues stuff. Nothing happened. Because he was only partially surrendered. Knew he needed the Holy Spirit, but wasn't willing to totally surrender. We can't experience the fullness of God in anything we're doing until we fully surrender. The reason Pastor Gary was able to be a part of those salvations is because he was fully surrendered listening to the Lord. 
How many times are you going to Walmart? You're not even thinking about ministering to anybody. I'm just trying to remember the shopping list. But being fully surrendered means it's not about what I need. It's about what the Lord wants. With everything, with everything. With your kids, with your spouse, with your job, with your school, with what degree you're going to pursue, with what job you're going to get, whether you should go for this promotion or not go for this promotion. You know, when I was growing up, you always went for bigger and better. That's just the norm. That's what we're brought up. It's a, a spirit of competition. You, you want to do more, do more, do more, do more. And I remember getting a job with the credit union and started out as a teller and, and really was hired to be a, um, a loan officer. But they started me out as a teller so I could learn that position. They needed some help for a month or two. Then I became a loan officer. And then an assistant manager's job opened up and applied for that, got that. And then a manager's job eventually opened up and got that. And uh, all of a sudden I noticed I was getting more and more stressed. I couldn't figure that out because isn't that what you're supposed to do? You know? And my prayers at the time were, Lord, let me get this. Lord, let me get this. Lord, let me get this. It wasn't, Lord, should I get this? Lord, should I even apply for this? It was, Lord, let me have this. And I found myself miserable. Miserable because it wasn't where God wanted me. And when I finally started asking the Lord, then he started directing my path. And I had to change jobs, but he opened a door. And I walked through that door, became a teacher. And I look back on that experience and I think, man, I sure am glad that I did surrender and ask the Lord because that experience has more than prepared me for the job I'm doing now. But, but I wasn't open to it before. Didn't want to be a teacher. Thought that was crazy. But it wasn't until I fully surrendered and said, Lord, I'm miserable. I don't know what else to do. God, show me what to do. And I quit asking for things for myself. And I just said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And that's when that door opened for teaching. And I walked through it. But it has to be full surrender to the Lord. Full surrender to the Lord. You know what this means? It means becoming kingdom-minded. I shared with you last week, I thought that was a new revelatory message from the Lord coming through Pastor Herman. And I had this little thought, I think Dad's been preaching on that for 20-plus years. And then Jesus reminded me he preached on that his whole ministry. <laughs> it's always been kingdom-minded. It's always been about, you know, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. I'm just new to that message. I'm just now finally starting to understand why am I starting to understand it now? Because I think I'm becoming more surrendered. I'm not preaching I'm perfect. I'm saying that as I grow up and mature and as I mature in Christ and begin to realize that I really don't know anything and that I need him more than I ever realized. And I told you last week I like to go along for the ride. I just say, Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, just show me. And then all of a sudden it starts the understanding process. And then I begin to see these same decisions in a different light. Even where I go to eat breakfast sometimes, right? Lord, should I go here? It may seem so crazy just in that. Who doesn't care? God doesn't care. You don't know that. He may send you somewhere to have breakfast, to minister to somebody, get them saved, healed, delivered. Being a messenger of God means you go where he sends you. That's part of being fully surrendered. How am I doing on time here? It's getting a little bit late here. What I want to do is I want to kind of skip forward a little bit and I'll come back to, to this tangent. They're having a good time back there. <laughs> Can you give me 10 more minutes? 
I think if you give me, seriously, 10 more minutes, if you can hang in there 10 more minutes, you'll see something about what I'm talking about. When you become fully surrendered, you begin to see what the Lord is doing. I want to, I want to uh, take a slight tangent here. Do you know that in Matthew 16, when, when Jesus is telling the disciples to lose their life to save it, that wasn't the first time he was preaching that message? That's not the first time he had planted that seed with them. But it was the first time that they began to understand what he was talking about. It is the first time they began to understand from the perspective of the kingdom. So I want to take you through this real quick. And to understand that we're first disciples, but we got to be able to be like Jesus as the guide for others. And so as I take you through this explanation, be looking at it through both perspectives. You may need to, you may, you may need to surrender more of your life to Jesus. Or maybe you are fully surrendered, but you need to be able to guide others into that. See, Jesus was leaving, so he wasn't just preaching about the kingdom. He was training the disciples. He was discipling them to be able to continue the message forward, and that's what we're supposed to do as well. So it's not enough that you understand. You've got to be able to share with others and guide them about what I'm about to share with you. Look again in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What I tell you, this is not the first time that Jesus is talking about this. If you back up to Matthew chapter 10, he was telling them about this very same concept. I'll let you go back and read that for yourself in chapter 10. I'm going to highlight it in just a minute, though. But the perspective of the disciples had changed. That's what was different. See, if you back up just a few verses in chapter 16, Starting in verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Christ, the Son of the living God. And look at what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon uh, Bar Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. God revealed that to Simon just like he reveals things to us, right? Because he was beginning to understand. Peter was beginning to understand this kingdom philosophy that Jesus had been preaching. Once they understood that, then he could go back and say the same things over and over again. You ever find yourself as parents saying the same thing over and over and over again? Yeah, yeah. Again, look at the correlation here. Look at Matthew ten thirty three. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. That correlates to Luke nine twenty six, which goes along with Matthew sixteen. I'll show you that in a minute. But Luke nine twenty six says, "For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory, and in his Father's and of the holy angels." Now look at this comparison again in Matthew chapter ten verses thirty eight and thirty nine. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. We fast forward to chapter 16, and we find him saying the same thing. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And Luke has the same uh, view of that in 9, 23, and 24. So, again, Jesus is repeating himself. You see, something had happened along the way between chapter 10 and chapter 16. Jesus continued to lay 
the groundwork, plant the seed in the disciples, continue to try to educate them on this kingdom philosophy he was talking about. And he continued teaching. He continued feeding people. He continued performing miracles. And all along, all along circling back to this kingdom message. You look in chapter 13, he even tells the disciples, starting in verse 10, and, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. The mysteries, the secrets, the hidden truths. He's saying, listen, I'm trying to tell you something. Catch up with me. I'm trying to help you understand who I really am and the message I'm really trying to bring. And then something happens in chapter 16, even before Peter finally has his aha moment. You start in verse 5, it says, Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up. He's saying, listen, what are you doing? Get what I'm saying to you is what Jesus is telling the disciples. You don't need bread. Didn't we already feed all these people and you didn't have bread that day either? It's not about the physical bread. He's saying, hello, hello, listen, listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Listen to what I've been teaching you all along. Verse 10 says, uh, nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up. How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? And watch this, verse 12. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And then we see a few verses later where Jesus is now testing them again like any good teacher. He comes up again. He says, who does everybody else say I am? He knew the answer. So the teacher's got the answer key. And he said, but who do you say I am? And I got to wonder if Jesus is sitting there going, come on, fellas, I've been telling you. Come on, fellas, get it right. Come on, I've been telling you this. And Peter says, you are the son of God. I wonder if you high-fived anybody. Woo, yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, myself, Yes. Right? Because he finally understood. And then, then Jesus goes back to the same message about losing your life to save it. Why? Because they're now at a point where they're seeing a different perspective. They're seeing the kingdom. And Jesus had to plant this inside of the disciples because he knew that they would be the ones carrying this message to all the world. Jesus has to plant this message in each one of us because we are his messengers. We are his ambassadors. We are his leaders here on earth. And we have to take that message, but we have to first understand what it means to be kingdom-minded. Well, I'm going to tell you, kingdom-minded means you're totally surrendered to God. Because it's not about what you're building up for yourself. It's what you're building for the king. It's being a part of what he is doing. The disciples fulfilled their calling and purpose by becoming ambassadors for Christ, delivering the message of the kingdom to the world, and changing it forever. You and I are called 
to the very same purpose. How about stand to your feet, and I'll wrap this up. Jesus kept laying the foundation, kept saying, look, I'm telling you what this is about. It's the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. And the disciples finally understood. The message to you and to me today is it's about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. And we are called to be change agents. We are called to be ambassadors. We are called to be Christian leaders for this world. You see the chaos going on in this world? Those people will never get it unless we bring the message of Christ to them. We have to bring the message of Christ to him. We do that by fully surrendering our lives to the Lord. I'm going to close with this quote here and one other thought. A surrendered leader has nothing left to lose because they've already put everything in God's hands. There's nothing left to fear or protect. A surrendered leader can rise above the daily pressures and stresses of life and work. A surrendered leader is not bound by the same worries, concerns, and priorities that consume others. A surrendered leader is called to a higher purpose, to know, love, and serve God in this life. A surrendered leader looks and acts differently because it's no longer about them. I would tell you today that if you're dealing with any of these things right here, if you feel like you have something to lose, if you're having a hard time putting everything in God's hands, if you still have fear or there's something you have to protect, if the daily pressures and stresses of life are getting to you, if you're worried, concerned, all these things point to the fact that there's still something we haven't fully given to the Lord, something we haven't totally surrendered to the Lord. The starting point of Christian leadership is total surrender to God. Total surrender to God. I want to ask you today, have you fully surrendered to the Lord? Our mission is to become passionate pursuers of God. By doing that, we will have an impact on our community for Jesus. But the becoming passionate pursuers of God is based off of Matthew 25 where it says, you know, the first and greatest commandment is to what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Let me say that again. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Total surrender is when you give all to the Lord. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.